Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. To learn more about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, Texas, visit our website at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening His Word. Good morning, church family. Uh, if you're new here, my name is Scott Brooks. I'm the lead pastor on the preaching team. Uh, and we're continuing on with our Beauty of the Church series. And uh, as that, sh- that was just shown, that was our 10-year video, obviously showing the 10-year, uh, of what God has done. It's his work, our witness. And it's just to remind you of God's goodness to the Door Church and just to, to people in general. And what we saw there was a timeline of the, the resurrection of Christ and the spread of the gospel through history that led to, to us being here. And there's so many churches that are, were formed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the hope this morning is to get your mind on the mission of multiplication, to have a vision of multiplication. So this idea is sometimes we live a very nearsighted life. So what a nearsight is, uh, is, you know, you're so near that you really can't take in the whole. What we're hoping this morning is to see what you're caught up in being a part of the church, a grander vision of who God is and the work that he's doing through his son by the spirit of God and to call our hearts, our minds, our lives into the movement uh, of God, and so that we traced our, our timeline, and uh, and we're just we're just a part of that. Um, the the church is not about us, and so so many times we get so self focused, so navel gazing. Look look what the what God's doing. Look what God's doing here. And we want to do that. We want to celebrate what God's doing, and we want to get our eyes off ourselves and onto Him. This is His church. And he is at work in this church for his glory and other people's good. And the, the moment we think it's about us, we'll lose sight of the mission uh, and the movement of God. Uh, we will lose a passion for what we're doing here. And so the hope is to get our eyes off of just here and now into a greater reality than what we're caught up in. Um, first, I want us, want us to, to trace a little bit uh, we looked at church his- history, but uh, a biblical narrative of what God's doing, and that is that God has always been about a promise to a people for redemption, and that is what history has shown. We just we just showed you, and we're going to show you biblically. That's biblically informed that the church has always been formed by the promise of God to send a redeemer to send a way back to him, namely through his son, Jesus Christ. And that is traced throughout this Bible. This is what the entire Bible is, is about. So just go to Genesis 1, 1. It says, it, no, don't actually go there. Actually, you can turn, you can turn to uh, Matthew 16, 13 through 20. But I want to trace the biblical narrative of the promise of God Genesis 1.1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God is the creator and sustainer of all things. We know this. And he created, what, what does it say? Everything good. It says that he created man in his own image. And so everything that we have that he created, he gave to us. He bestowed his image and likeness onto us. And we're supposed to live in light of our creator, trust our creator, honor uh, him with our lives, but we know in Genesis three what happened. The, the serpent came, the liar came, and says, "Hey, you don't want to, you don't want to trust God. You want to be your own God." And they 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 bit into the lie and deception. And from Genesis three, we have what's called the fall. Everything's broken. We saw Adam and Eve rebel against the author of life. Hear that? 
Adam and Eve rebelled against the author of life. And if you rebel against the author of life, what is there? There is no life. They were cut off from life itself, which is, which is God. And so sin entered the world in Genesis 3. And it says in Scripture, the wages of sin is what? Death. Well, we all taste a lot of that. Why? Because of sin. The good news is in Genesis 3, God gave a promise to Adam and Eve. He says, man, it's not going to end this way but I'm going to send a rescuer. I'm going to send a redeemer. So we have in Genesis 3, the fall of mankind, that sin has entered humanity. There's a problem with the world. In Genesis 3.15, it says this, I'll put enmity between you and the woman. That's, that's the serpent, the liar, Satan, and the woman. And between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your heel or your head and you shall bruise his heel. What is this speaking of? See, in Genesis 3, as soon as we sin, God spoke a promise of of redemption, that he is going to send through Eve a line to crush sin, Satan, and death. That's a promise pointing to Christ. Where is that found? In the the book of the beginnings, Genesis 3.15, when we sin, God had a plan and a promise. We trace that to Genesis 15, verses 5 and 6. It says this, he brings Abraham, which is promise flows from Adam and Eve to Abraham. It says he brought him outside and said, look toward the heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, they said to him, so shall what your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. So we got Father Abraham, you know him. Uh, if you have any Bible background, this promise is going through the line of Abraham through his what offspring And it says that Abraham believed him, so by faith was made righteous. Now, we're going to, so that's that's Old Testament. We could trace it even more. We're going to go now to Galatians 3, 7, and 9. This is New Testament. Paul's writing the Galatians church. He says, know then that it is those of faith who who are the sons of Abraham. Abraham." So who are the true sons of faith? Of Abraham is the sons of faith. And it says, in the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to who? Beforehand to Abraham. So the gospel was preached to who? But Abraham, all the way in Genesis, saying that in in you shall all the nations be blessed. And so then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So it's it's drawing in this promise, pointing to Christ, even uh, the promise that was given to Abraham is always about a redeemer. Furthermore, Galatians 3.16 says it explicitly. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his off what spring. It does not say into offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring, who is what? Is Christ. So what you have is a promise of a redeemer, and that redeemer comes to fruition, which is Jesus Christ, the Messiah. This is what the entire Bible is about. This is what the entire history is about. This is what the door church is about. We got to get our eyes on what God is doing. By God's grace, you would be caught up more into what God is doing in history, really his story, and that we would play our part well. So he has this promise of redeemer, namely Christ. I want to drill down on this promised redeemer because what is the message of the gospel? Because I want us to experience it personally. My heart and my prayer for you this morning is to experience the gospel personally, that you need a redeemer personally, that you respond by faith, and then that you'd be so caught up in God's love for you and Jesus Christ that you would want to be a part of what he is doing. 
that God is on mission. He's calling you to be on mission with him. But the first and, thing, first and foremost thing you have to see is he's on mission for you, and you have to respond to that redeemer. Uh, so in Matthew 16, we'll pick up, pick up in verse 13 through 20. It says, uh, it says this, um, verse Matthew, I'm on 13. I'm like, wait, I don't see it at all. This is a problem. Uh, Matthew 16, 13 through 20. It says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? So what's going on is Jesus is walking with his disciples and he says, who are people saying that I am? Uh, And and, in verse 14, they gave gave several different responses. Some said, you're the John the Baptist. Others say, you're Elijah. Others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So a lot of people are talking about Jesus. You, You could be a prophet, a great man of God. You're a teacher, those types of things. I, th- I believe Jesus is asking us this question. People are still talking about Jesus today. We're talking about him this morning. He's very relevant, and culture has lots of things about to say about Jesus. Like, who, who does culture say that Jesus is? A lot of them will say, well, he's a really good teacher. It's the best teaching. You know, some would even say that he, you know, he's a good example. You're, the academic world says a lot about Jesus. He is a historical person who did historical things. There's a lot of research about him. So a lot of people say, well, here's what a professor said. Your parents, your Sunday school teachers, your pastors, a lot of people have talked a lot about Jesus. And those are, those are fine answers. But what Jesus does, then he goes on and drills down to very personal. Uh, he says this, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Jesus is asking you that question. I just told you that God gave a promise to send a redeemer. And he's asking you that question this morning. Who do you, who do you say Jesus is? See, the Christian faith is a personal response to who Jesus is for you. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven And I tell you, uh, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There's two things I want us to look here. That you need to respond to Jesus Christ as Savior, that he is your Messiah, that he is your Redeemer, that you, in in yourself, you are stuck in your sin. You are a failure. You deserve the wrath of God. We've all rebelled against God. Even on your best day, you deserve death. The good news is Jesus was sent on your behalf to live, to die, and rise again so what? We could have life. He is your redeemer if you you believe in him and profess him by faith. Have you responded to saying that he is is your redeemer? Has it become personal? Have you turned from a sinner to a son by believing in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? This this um, This is amazing because... What God is saying here, God loves you, us, despite us, which is the best news possible. You don't merit it. You don't earn it. You can, you can never work for it, but it's given to you freely in Jesus Christ. It should bring you joy. It should bring you wonder. It should bring you all. You should be all struck if God could love you. And you, can even, you should ask the question, how could God love me? Because of Jesus. Have you responded to the Redeemer, having a profession of faith to say, man, that he is my Lord, that he is my Savior? See, as you do that, you become, you become, you, you receive the mission that God has for you, that his love overwhelms you, that you are now reconciled to God as your father, and 
Not only do you understand that his mission was for you, the Redeemer paid what you couldn't pay, and you're now restored to God by faith in Jesus Christ. What happens then is you'll start, with a, you'll start walking with a great God confidence. I want us to have a God swag. What, what does that mean? It says here, not only, not only did Peter respond, say, man, you are the Christ, son of the living God, which God revealed to him, but he also says, Jesus says, man, I'm gonna build my church and the gates of hell won't stand against it. God is at work in the world through his son, Jesus Christ. He's saying, this is what I'm doing and nothing is going to stop it. And you can belong not only to God through Jesus Christ, you can belong and be a part of his mission, it says, which will transform and transcend human history. So the idea is quit living for your little kingdom and live for mine. Because mine's going to last forever, and this will be done. And this is what we got to trace in our video. Ten years of God using laughable people like me and you. Why? Because he's gracious. We're called apart his his mission. Our Our hearts long to be a part of something greater than ourselves. So many of us are bored and frustrated (laughs) <laughs> we, have, we have no purpose in our life. This is God calling you. Live for something greater than yourself. Your kingdom is going to perish. It is going to fall away, but Christ will not. He will accomplish what he set out, and you can be a part of it. We can be heralds, pointers to Jesus Christ. So what's important here is the message of Jesus Christ, the person of Christ. God replaces the messengers. I'm not important. frankly, you're not important, but Jesus Christ is. And in him, we will live forever. See, the message and the mission are unchanging until Christ returns. And that's what we get to be a part of. He invites you in to this exciting mission of what he is doing. Now, that's the promised redeemer. So all the scripture is about this redeemer. And then he wants you to respond to this message that you're a sinner. The good news, you can be forgiven in Jesus Christ. And then you get to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ. You get to belong Uh, to him and be a part of this mission. Now, turn to Acts uh, 11, uh, verses 19 through 30. We're gonna look at the blueprint of what the church is caught up in, this mission of multiplication. First and foremost, you are God's mission in Jesus Christ. He wants you to respond to him by faith, and he calls you into this mission of multiplication and into a movement. In Acts 11, 19 through 30, it's the, it's the, 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 the record of Antioch, and what God did through a church to multiply this mission. And Lord willing, this would inspire us and it would inform us, it would challenge us, it would give us great joy to follow what God did at Antioch and to celebrate what he's already done here, but what I believe he's calling us into uh, as, as the door church and really any, any church. 19 through 20, let's look at it. The church in Antioch says, now those who were scattered because of the persecution that are that arose over Stephen, traveled as far as uh, Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except the Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who, are, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, that's, uh, not, uh, that's Greek-speaking non-Jewish people, so not Jewish people, also preaching the Lord Jesus. Now, there's a lot there. First, I want you to see is that, that God that God wants all people to know Jesus. Because this is the, really the first time the gospel's taking deep, deep root um, in, in, in a non-Jewish. So these, these, uh, these men of Cyprus and Cyrene come, to the, uh, come and share the gospel to, to non-Jewish people. Now, 
God, at this time, because the stoning of Stephen, had sent the church just scattered. And so now as the church is scattering, what are they doing? They're sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ because they're on mission uh, for him. Now, what's exciting here is, is, that, is that these men of uh, Cyprus and Cyrene share the gospel uh, with these, these, these Hellenists, these people that, that are non-Jewish people, and they came to the Lord. Now, this is what funds Antioch, the church. This is what, how Antioch is formed by these men of Cyprus and Cyrene. And this is the church, as we'll get into, that, that is about the mission multiplication that sends Paul and Barnabas, that it has the church explosion all over the world. Who did that come from? Here, here's, here's my sub point. Men of Cyprus and Cyrene, we don't know their name. We don't know their name. We know Paul's name. We don't know these guys' name. And my point here is you never know what your faithfulness in Jesus Christ is doing if you share the gospel. You don't know. And we don't need to know. God's economy is not like our economy. We can't determine success. God, leave it to God. We don't know their names, but you are listening to the gospel message because these faithful men shared the gospel. How incredible is that? How incredible what God's called you into. It's not always a person speaking on stage or has the most podcast or whatever it is. It's men and women that are faithful in the everyday ordinary to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you can make a difference for eternity. That should get you fired up that you could be used by God that way. Furthermore, it says at the very end, it says they went to them and preaching the Lord Jesus. So these are non-Jewish people. So they didn't have, you know, the Old Testament. They didn't know they were looking for a demon. These are just people living. And they go, hey, you're looking for a Messiah, a Redeemer, aren't you? They're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. What'd they say? Jesus is Lord. What does that mean? Jesus is your king. Jesus is your king. And what all they're saying is like, you make a poor king. How's your life going? I know right now, if you're not in the Lord, your life stinks. I don't care how good it looks on the outside, you're crumbling on the inside. There's no hope, there's, there's despair. You know death's coming for you, and you have, you have no joy. How do I know that? Because Christ is the only good king. You make a terrible king, and all kingdoms will, 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 will crumble. But Christ is the true and ultimate king. And they, these, these people came to the Lord saying, I do need a king. I don't want to be the king. And God moved in a great way as these faithful men shared the gospel with non-Jewish uh, people. Verse 21, it says, the hand of the Lord was with them and a great number who believe turned to the Lord. Here's, here's the big idea here is that, that every church is a miracle. If you're a believer, it's a miracle. God has worked. Yes, you share the gospel. In Acts 19, it says, man, our job is to share the gospel with all people. You will not be able to get all people to respond up to God. We should just be faithful to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of my favorite verses as we planted the door church was Acts 18, 9, and 11. It'll be up on the screen. It says this, and the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking. Do not be silent. Why? For I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in the city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. What he just said, God says, I have many people I'm going to save. You just go about preaching the gospel. Let me be God, and I need you to be my witness. This is an amazing truth. Every church is a miracle from God. The Spirit of God uniting people to his Son. And as they do that, God becomes their Father. 
And so you see, man, this miracle of God taking place in the verses 22 through 24, you see Barnabas enter the scene. So this new church, Antioch, has been birthed by the faithful sharing of the gospel. God's at work there. 22 through 24, it says this, the report of them, uh, report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. This is kind of the head, headquarters, if you will, at this time of the Christian faith. And they're like, man, some people that are not Jewish are, are coming to faith. They came, to, they sent Barnabas to check it out to Antioch. And when he came, listen, uh, when he came and saw the grace of God, when he saw the grace of God, when he saw people, sinners become son and transformation by the spirit of God, he was glad and he exhorted them uh, all to remain faithful to the Lord. He says, man, keep pursuing the Lord with steadfast purpose. Don't come off this point of Jesus. Jesus is everything for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many of people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas comes over and instead of throwing a, a wet towel on what God's doing, he's like, I don't know. Not, you know, not Jewish people usually don't come to the Lord. He's like, no, I see the grace of the Lord. And I want, I want to encourage you Remain steadfast. Keep, keep on purpose with the Lord. And so instead of throwing water on the fire, he threw gasoline and it spread more. And it says many more were added. So here's, here's my sub point to you. In the church, there are people that are mission champions that want to see the grace of God go out to your neighbors, to your schools, to the nations. Are you going to be a positive, say, man, I see God working you. I, I want to praise God. I want to pray for God to move more. Are you going to be an encourager like Barnabas to see the gospel go out? Or are you going to be negative? Do you see everything wrong with the church? Man, the, you, you didn't share it this way. How, how, did, how did that happen? This had to go first. That's, that throws, man, just a wet blanket on what God's doing. And I, I've, oft, I've said before, there's positives, there's neutrals and negatives in the church. There's people that, that, man, I praise God for you. You're, you're, you see God moving. He's worked in your life. I want to see God move more and more and more, and I praise God for you. There's neutral people. I'd say you need to become more fired up about Jesus Christ and want his love for you and his love for others. We should not be neutral here at the church. And there's negatives. And I'd say, man, why are you so negative? Now, if there's some things that need to be called out, bring them up. But man, we should be on mission together. Why? For the glory of God and the good of other people. Be a Barnabas full of the spirit and of faith to encourage people. And we saw more people grow. Now, most churches stay here. This is kind of, not, not all, most or some. They're like, man, God has moved. We preach the gospel. What happens? You come off the gospel and that's, your church is slowly going to die. We're going to stay on point. And as you stay on point on the purpose of Christ, not only will more be grown in Christ, but you'll actually mature in Christ, which will lead to multiplication. So we got to stay on point. And then we got to have this idea of, of this idea of maturing in Christ. Verse 25, it says this. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and we had found him. He brought him to Antioch for a whole year. They met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. There's a lot here. So a lot of people are coming to Christ. So they come to Jesus as king. They put their faith in Jesus. So they have a heart surrender to God in Jesus Christ. But they, their mind doesn't really understand. They don't know the Bible. They don't know what really they're believing in. Uh, and so Paul knows the Old Testament. He knows the Bible. He knows Christ. And so uh, Barnabas is like, go, he went and got Paul. He's like, we need to mature in Christ for a whole year. He informed their mind of what their heart experienced so their, 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 their transformation could grow and their maturity uh, would, 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 would uh, mature in Christ. And so what I'd say is, 
that not only do we want people to come to know Jesus, we want to mature them in Christ. So you need to have a heart surrendered to Christ and you need to have a biblical informed mind that leads to transformation. We want to mature in Christ because as we mature, we become more like Christ. What's cool here in Antioch is the first time these Christians, uh, the, the, the church was called Christians. Why? Because they're little Christ. That's what this idea is. They, people saw how they lived, saw how they were generous, saw their character. It's like, you remind me of Jesus. We're going to call you Christians. As you grow in Christ, people should be able to see, I see Christ in you. I see something different than you. Why are you the way that you are? That should not be an outlying idea. But they should see you and say, man, I, I see a difference. I see Christ in you. And this happens for over a year of Paul showing them how the whole Bible is about God's love for them in Jesus Christ. And by the Spirit of God, they matured in Christ as they beheld the glories of Jesus Christ. What's interesting, Antioch is a very diverse church. What I mean by that is they had, it was like a melting pot of culture, spirituality, philosophy, background experiences, very different. So they came to Christ and now by the word of God and the spirit of God, they're becoming more like Jesus and their characters uh, is growing as Christ. Now, when that happens, as you drill deep, not away from Christ, but you drill deep into the glories of Jesus Christ, you become like him. And when you become like him, you start to, you start to have his heart. You start to live like him. So I, I wrote down these words and this has always been a hope of the door church. Not only want to have people convert to Christ, we want them to be transformed to become more and more like Jesus. And as you drill deeper into Christ, you will distribute wide the glories of Jesus Christ. You'll want other people to experience what you're experiencing. Maturing in Christ yields to multiplication. This is the mission of multiplication, the mission of movement. If the church isn't sending, if it's not maturing, I would, I would, you know, it's frankly going to end. We exist not for us, but for the glory of God and the good other people, uh, good other people. We have to exist for something greater than ourselves. And this is what Antioch is modeling here. They're maturing in Christ. And what happens as they mature in Christ, they start to sin. They start to multiply. They start to equip leaders. Why? Because they want more and more people to experience the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen, in word and deed, in word and deed. So let's look at uh, this indeed, verse 27. Uh, it says this. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea, and they did, did so sending it uh, to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So what's happening is there's going to be a famine. And the Antioch church is like, man, good news, there's not a famine here, we're good. No, what do they do? They open their hearts, their lives, and their possessions to bless the people who are in need. We should be a church that is benevolent in nature by being, being so good in deeds. Now, we should do this corporately, what that means as a church, and individually. Um, our church, as we mature, has been growing in other people's focus, focus. I mean, we do, if you're part of our church family uh, and you go through our membership class, you're ours. <laughs> and we are yours, and we belong to another in Jesus Christ, and we want to help you, and we want to praise God in the good times, and we want to help you in the hard times. That's our commitment, and by God's grace, we take this very serious benevolence. We have benevolence across all the time, and we hardly ever say no. Why? Because the generosity of Christ. One of the greatest ways you can show the character of Christ is just doing good for good's sake. Why? Because no one does that. Everyone does it with strings attached, and so when we're benevolent. We show the benevolent nature 
of God. And uh, during COVID times, we, you know, we got, to, by God's grace, got to help out many. So this kind of similar time of, of just, uh, a really of uh, a famine and, and heartache and pain. There was church, uh, we, have, we support some church planters in India and some pastors couldn't get food or food to their congregation during shutdown. And by God's grace, we had this relationship. We got to send resources to these churches so they could eat as the government was shutting them down. We got to, the door church got to be a part of that. And I'm just sharing a few. I have a whole list of other things. This is corporately and individually. By the hope is by the Spirit of God as we see Christ that you would be little Christ everywhere you go that we'd see the goodness of Christ start to spread in our communities. This is what we get to be a part of. This is what Antioch is the blueprint of, of calling us into and by God's grace we've seen this in the door. Hopefully we're growing this and we continue to push towards that. And also, not only just word, we want to be a church of, uh, or not, not just of D, but also word. Paul's missionary journey. So everyone knows Paul. If you don't, he's really a big deal in the church. Not really, but he promoted Christ and a lot of churches were playing because of, of, of Paul's efforts. What a lot of people don't know is it, it, was, it was sent by the Antioch church. He, the Antioch church is the one who financed and encouraged and sent people to bless Paul so he could plant churches. The engine behind Paul was Antioch. So Acts 13, 1 through 3, Acts 14, 26 through 27, Acts 15, 25 through 21, or 41, Acts 18, 22 through 23 is all these journeys that Paul was planting churches. You know, you know who was funding that, who was sending them? That was Antioch. Why? Because they had a maturing eye on the glories of Christ and what he's doing and to send their best. What's so interesting, which I love in Acts 13, verses two and three, it'll be up on the screen. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit set apart for them Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. They have work for they were called to, it's so great. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and they sent them off. So the Holy Spirit called them to continue the mission of God away from Antioch. You know how hard that is for Antioch? You know how much they probably grew in a year? It's like, no, we need, we need Paul to stay. Paul's awesome. I'm getting more of Christ because of Paul. No, God had different plans for Paul, set him apart in Barnabas, and they were willingly sent him. This is a good gospel goodbye. They sent money, their best people, and encouragement. Why? Why? Because they wanted more people to experience the grace of Jesus Christ. I mean, I just was writing down names that this has happened to here. We got, you know, Mark McPherson sitting on the front row. Drayton Shanks was a part. He's still an elder, but was on staff, very pivotal in our church. Uh, like I said, still, still an elder. Uh, Jonathan Birch uh, was called in from professional, uh, being in the business world now, to really preaching to kids and leading leadership. And he'll preach to anyone. We got Brad. We got Reagan. These are all people that were sitting where you're at. Like, you know what? I hear God set me apart. And we want to help mature and send people out, whether that's church planning, missionaries, or campuses. We want to be strategic to, to say, God, give gospel goodbyes to our best. Why? Because it's not about us. It's not about us. See, this is what we're caught up in. I want you to have this mission. I want you to have this vision. It should bring you joy. It should bring you joy to see what God's doing all over the world by our really allowing, allowing God to work through our little church, through your finance, through your time, through your efforts, through your lives. See, uh, on the screen, there'll be a whole bunch of church partners. These are just some of them. I mean, uh, it, it, I'll, I'll highlight two. Blessings in the top left corner will come up. He, uh, he is in Zambia, and this is him baptizing an individual. Now, do we know their name? No, I don't know their name, but one day we will in heaven. How amazing is that our little church get to help this guy 
plant churches and bring the gospel to people that we'll get to know forever. From death to life, bringing gospel goodness to this area. I don't know if you know you're part of that. When you give to the joy box, this happens. Benevolence. Other people focus. Church plants and missionaries. We'll go to another one. Sastry. Uh, it's his dad. I, I tried to say his name and I couldn't. Sastry, I met. Um, he is a friend of mine that I met from Irving. He's a church planner. And now he's in India. He married Paige. And he actually just sent me an email. He's in northern India with his brother equipping church planners. Uh, but this is, a, this is a picture of his dad baptizing uh, someone in India. We have the privilege to get to fund a church movement in India because of the goodness of God. God's saying, you can be a part of this. We have sent over a million dollars out, and I don't know the, the, the exact monies, to see people meet Jesus. So people can be blessed in Jesus' name. This should bring you joy. Yes, we want to grow additionally. We want more people to grow here, and we want to see God's movement all over the world. And God says we can be a part of that as we drill deep in the glories of Jesus Christ. So about three or four years ago, which I hope you know, but a lot of us don't, the elders went on a retreat and we were, we're, we're crowded today. Uh, and we had, to make, we had a decision to make. It was like either A, we're going to sell this building and grow really big, or we're going to have a mission of multiplication. And we prayerfully made a decision, we're gonna have a mission of multiplication, that I'm not the guy, Jesus is the guy, and we're going to raise up people to send out either church planning or campuses. So yes, we will blow out these walls if we need to, but we're not getting bigger than this. And that is strategic, why? Because we believe in God is in the mission of multiplication. Yes, we want additional growth, but we want you to respond by faith to what God's doing in your life. We wanna see you mature in Christ, and we wanna send you out. And you may be like, well, I'm not going overseas or I'm not gonna be a church planner. Well, you're sent to your neighborhood. You're sent to your schools. You should be sent. And that's what we're called to do. We want to be a mission of multiplication. This is why, this is why we love church planning. This is why we love being generous. This is why we do campuses. We want you to know why, because it's important. You see the glories of God. God is doing something way bigger than the door church. And we want to be part of that. Now, what's interesting why is this so important? One, everything I just said, hopefully. Number two, God, the Father, sent his best in his son, Jesus Christ. So we want to send our best. That's what we want. Why? Because we think that honors God and shows his character and nature. Why? Because Jesus came for you. Jesus came for you. He laid down his life for you and he rose the grave for you. So we, we want to honor God and being sent for him. This is why. It's, it's not, it's not we, we get something, we get to be a part of it. And we want to be a part of what God is doing. We want to build our kingdom, we want to build his. We, we, we reflect the very nature of God and following his footsteps as we go, as we go. Our God is a missionary God. We know that because of the cross of Christ. How beautiful it is that we get to bring good news to people that don't know him. Let's pray. God, I pray that we would see the word of God and respond this morning by faith and say, thank you, God, for sending your son for me. That we would experience maybe grace for the first time. Maybe that first part was really drilling in someone's heart or many heart. That who do you say that I am? Jesus is asking you that question. He's asking that question because he cares for you and he came for you. So you can be forgiven, known, and loved and reconciled to God, listen, as your father. Who do you say that I am? I pray that you respond by the Spirit of God, by faith, and say, man, you are, you are the Christ, Son of the living God, that you would experience salvation this morning. I pray others 
Well, be like Barnabas and want to be an encourager. You see God working. Say, man, I see God working. You want to bless them. You want to pray for them. You want to give to them. I pray that other people will be like Paul and, and say, man, I want to respond by helping a church mature in the glories of Christ and be sent to make him known. God, help us exist for something greater than ourselves. Help us see the, the glorious truth and not only doing in scripture, but through human history that Jesus is the king and we can make his name known. I pray that you give us a burden for others who don't know him. God, I pray the door church would be strengthened by your spirit to be steadfast in the hope of Jesus Christ, that we'd be on mission to know and grow in him and to make him known. Help us not waver. Help us not waver, God. I pray that we'd see the beauty of the church and what you've called us to be as the door church. I ask that in his name. Amen.